You're listening to AshCast, the Ash Center for Democratic Governance and Innovation podcast. Special Counsel Robert Mueller has been in the news frequently. Not only is he leading the investigation into Russian activity in and around the 2016 election, but he's been accused of hiring a partisan team to assist him. On Wednesday, August 2nd, Maya Sent, Associate Professor of Public Policy at Harvard Kennedy School, sat down with Matt Cadwallader, the host of PolicyCast, for a live Facebook conversation about Robert Mueller, his team, and if he did, in fact, hire a politically biased group. Listen in. Today we're here to talk about something that is, well, a little bit politically uh, contentious. uh, Right now we have the ongoing investigation into uh, the Russian um, activity during the 2016 presidential campaign. Um, And Robert Mueller has been assigned to dig into this, figure out what Mm -hmm. what the Russians did, what happened, what was the fallout. Um, in the meantime, the Trump administration has voiced some concern about the Mueller investigation. Um, there have been concerns because of Mueller's connection to James Comey, the uh, former FBI chief, um, mm-hmm. as well as uh, a few broadsides to some of Robert Mueller's prosecutors, um, specifically speaking about um, their camp- past campaign contributions to Democrats. Um Professor Sen, thanks so much for joining us. And tell us a little bit about what this means for the Mueller investigation. Is this uh, evidence, are these campaign contributions, are they evidence that there's bias on this team? Well, first of all, thank you for having me and thank you for all of you who are joining us. Um, There's a lot going on here. So first I want to make it clear the nature of the attacks that are being waged on the Mueller investigation. So Bob Mueller has gone out and he's recruited some of the sort of most elite, finest federal prosecutors in the entire country. These are folks who've gone to the top law schools, who have the top experience. They've they've worked on many cases. I think one of the attorneys he's hired has argued several dozen cases before the Supreme Court. So he has assembled this amazing sort of high-powered team of federal prosecutors, 15, 16, 17 of them, um, to investigate thoroughly Uh, allegations of collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russian government. Now, what we're seeing kind of in response to this uh, coming out of Trump administration officials, uh, Trump surrogates on news, um, uh, kind of flashes on conservative media, are concerns and attacks that Bob Mueller's investigation is biased in part because of his legal, legal team and the fact that many lawyers that he's recruited to serve on this legal team have donated to Democrats. And, and Democrats, including um, Hillary Clinton, who was Donald Trump's opponent in the 2016 election. And so the argument that's been made is that how could they possibly be unbiased and nonpartisan if they supported Donald Trump's opponent in the election just last year, right? This is a, we hear um, the claim that this is a political witch hunt, that this is, a, this is a biased investigation, this is a partisan investigation being led by Democrats, being coordinated by Democrats. Um, and it is true that Miller has assembled a team where a lot of the attorneys that he's brought on did donate more to Democrats and to Republicans. So, so they're factually correct um, in terms of that simple assertion. Now, is this evidence of bias? That's sort of a separate question. 
Um, and, and the thing that my collaborators and I have argued, my co-authors, um, is that not really. This isn't really a clear assertion of bias. This isn't a clear demonstration of bias. Well, why isn't it? Um, we have spent a lot of time studying the legal profession and studying partisanship and political contributions made by lawyers. And in fact, there's a simple reason why it's not necessarily evidence of bias, which is that elite lawyers tend to lean toward Democratic candidates. So just to give you some figures on this, um, of lawyers who've made political contributions, about two-thirds of them have given more money to Democratic candidates than to Republican candidates. Two-thirds. It's a lot. Um, once you look at graduates of the very top programs, we would call that the top 14, the T14 law schools. Um, these are the law schools that basically Bob Mueller's federal prosecutors graduated from. So we're talking about Harvard, Yale, Columbia, University of Chicago, Stanford, schools like that. Um, the legal profession actually gets a, even more democratically leaning in terms of who they contribute to. So once you look at lawyers who've gone to these programs, of the ones that have made political contributions, about three-fourths of them donate more to Democrats than to Republicans. So the simple fact is that Bob Mueller just actually went out and hired people regardless of ideology. And if he did that, we would expect to see a legal team that actually looks an awful lot like the one he ended up hiring, mm -hmm. which is one where a lot of the lawyers actually donate more money to Democrats and to Republicans. So, so if you have three quarters of the T14 uh, lawyers who uh, have Demo or, uh, are contributing more mm -hmm. to Democrats, um, doesn't that mean that there's still a sizable chunk of Republican uh, donating lawyers? And why not pull from that pool to avoid any possible yeah. association? So that's right. So, so there are two, two things going on. The first and most important thing is that Bob Mueller, he was prevented by Justice Department rules from taking into account ideology or partisanship in assembling his team. So he actually was not asking, we believe if he followed the rules, which everything sort of suggests that he did, he was not asking about the party affiliations of the people he hired. He was looking for the best and the brightest. And using that decision rubric and only relying on merit and qualifications and experience would actually lead you to, just by virtue of the numbers, hire more Democratic donors and Republican mm -hmm. ones. So that's sort of one one uh, thing to think about. Um, the other thing to think about is that he pulled people almost exclusively from the ranks of federal prosecutors or people who are currently in private practice as lawyers but had government experience. So take the entire universe of people in the legal profession, lawyers, uh, corporate lawyers, tax lawyers, environmental lawyers, military lawyers, and then just look at the people who went into government service. Right, so you're already kind of narrowing the pool down to people who have government experience. And those people are actually going to be a little bit more to the left of center than the average attorney. Mm -hmm. So, uh, number one, he tried, well, he was asked by the Justice Department, by the Justice Department rules, not to take into account ideology. Um, and two, he's already looking at what is actually a very liberal kind of pool of people by virtue of their professional experience and educational background. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand that uh, campaign contributions, according to Justice Department rules, are not a indicator of bias in, in and of themselves. Uh, do you think that's an important uh, distinction for the Justice Department to make? I think that's right. Um, one of the things that, that, that we thought about is sort of, well, 
what does it mean to contribute to a candidate? Mm -hmm. Like, what does that say about you? And it, it actually gives you a lot of information about your politics and your ideology. So let me give you an example. So if I've donated, I live in Cambridge, Massachusetts. So if I've donated to Elizabeth Warren and to Hillary Clinton and to the ACLU, so those are my three donations for the year, you would be able to pretty effectively triangulate that I'm pretty left of center. Whereas if I gave money to Scott Brown and um, Donald Trump and maybe Paul Ryan, I know he's not in Massachusetts, but just to give you mm -hmm. an example, you would be able to tell that I'm pretty right of center. Mm -hmm. So contributions in that sense do give you a lot of really useful information about maybe how I would make decisions or what I think about the world or what I think about politics. Do they give you information about how I do my job? Which is sort of the, the leap that Donald Trump is making, or mm -hmm. Donald Trump and Trump administration officials are making. And I think the answer is not necessarily as clear cut when it comes to something like what the Mueller investigation is doing. Um, the other thing to think about is that people give money for all kinds of reasons. And it's a form of expression that um, is, can be leveraged strategically. Let me give you an example of this. Donald Trump. Uh, Donald Trump has actually famously gone on the record as admitting, and this is in fact true, that he has donated historically to Democrats and Republicans alike. In fact, I believe the his contributions record, I believe it it's that he has donated more to Democrats than to Republicans historically. Well, of course, being in New York, yes. it, it helps. <laughs> yes. Um, so if you, if you sort of take the Trump administration's argument to its logical extreme, there's no way Donald Trump could be unbiased and nonpartisan if he's mm -hmm. donated more to Democrats than to Republicans. Now, Donald Trump is a very clear example of someone who gave very strategically, and he was trying to curry favor with Democrats and Republicans, so maybe he's not a good example. But maybe Ivanka Trump mm -hmm. or Jared Kushner would be good examples. So they have also donated money to Democrats in the past. Does that mean that they're not qualified or too biased to serve in the White House? Apparently not. They're both occupying very senior level positions in the White House. And the same arguments have not been made about them as have been made, well, maybe they have by some circles, uh, some conservative circles. Um, but, but the same kind of like qualifications and not being qualified and being too biased have not been made to this extent about the two of them as they have about uh, Bob Miller's uh, legal team. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not really clear to me how how they're making the link between kind of these contributions and uh, the investigation itself. Sure. So uh, I want to also make sure that our audience knows we'd love to hear from you. If you have questions for Professor Sen, uh, please write them up in the comments. Uh, we're eager to hear them, and uh, I'm sure you're eager yes. to, uh, to, yes. to wrestle with them. Uh, I want to go back a little bit to um, what you were saying before about the legal profession mm -hmm. as a whole, and especially as you start subdividing, yeah. um, being fairly left-leaning. Um, is that a problem? I mean, why, yeah. why is that? It's, so why is that? That's, there are two different questions here. Sure. Why is that and then is it a problem? <laughs> so um, one thing that I should make clear is that the legal profession right now, and we have several papers that document this, it is more left of center than other similarly educated professions. So if you compare lawyers to uh, accountants or bankers, kind of people in finance who mm -hmm. maybe have degrees from the business school as opposed to the law school, they're more left-leaning than that. Um, they're more left-leaning than doctors. Has this always been the case? No. So historically, the legal profession in the United States has actually been more conservative. 
more conservative on policy issues, more conservative about government regulation, more conservative about the growth of the administrative state, uh, more conservative, for example, on New Deal policies that many of which I think helped people who were poor. Um, so historically, at least, it wasn't necessarily the case that the legal profession was liberal. Mm-hmm. We have seen that more happening since probably the 60s or 70s. So since the 60s, 19, uh, 1960s, 1970s, um, the legal profession has taken a turn to the left, so it's become more liberal over time. Um, we think maybe a reason why is probably kind of the rising interest in the civ- in civil rights more broadly, civil rights legislation, the civil rights movement, the use of the law as a progressive tool and as a tool to advance social policy issues sort of developed as an idea in the 60s and 70s, like quite strongly. Um, and so since the 60s and 70s, we have seen the shift to the right, to the left, excuse mm-hmm. me. Is this a problem? Um, if we believe that conservative voices are important and add legitimacy to what lawyers have to say, and if we think that having a a profession that's so politically influential be dominated by left-leaning voices, if we think that might be a problem for public perceptions and for legitimacy and for the legal profession's ultimate recommendations, then yeah, that might be a problem. Now, I understand that uh, while this is true of the legal profession as a whole, um, there are certain areas that lean more conservative. I believe uh, judges are are, yes. are, are an example. Yes. Um, I want to ask about that, mm-hmm. but I'm also interested about even just the entire approach of using partisanship as an indicator of uh, ability or, uh, you know, is yeah. this something that we should be tracking or is this... Digging too deep into that. <laughs> this is, so these are good questions. So let me see, let me see if I can try to unpack them. Yeah. So it's true that there's variation as with any profession and as with any class of people, there's a lot of variation. Mm-hmm. Judges are a particularly interesting example because judges are selected either by election or by appointments or by merit commissions. And there's a significant amount of political pressure on choosing judges. And so we think that one reason why judges in the United States are, are more conservative is because politicians have a strong say in who is chosen to become a judge. So the Supreme Court of the United States right now has five Republican-appointed judges mm-hmm. and four Democratic-appointed judges. So it's a majority conservative court, which is it's conservative, and it's not necessarily reflective of elite lawyers who tend to be more left of center. Mm-hmm. Why? It's because Republican presidents have had the chance to appoint more, more justices. Sure. Um, the second part of your question, I lost lost the thread. What was the second part of the question? <laughs> well, I'm just curious about uh, using uh, oh. a political affiliation with, uh, or, you know, connecting yeah. that to uh, competency as a lawyer. So, so it, it, I think it should be decoupled from competency. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have highly, like highly competent, uh, brilliant conservative lawyers, just as you can highly competent and brilliant uh, liberal lawyers. So. It, you know, it should be decoupled. Um, we do see, so this goes back to something that we were chatting about earlier. Um, we do see like in the area of judges, which is, it's, it's useful that you brought that up, that partisanship and ideology and uh, our uh, sense of how judges lean politically does predict their rulings and help us understand like in the future, how will they mm. possibly rule? So, you know, it's useful to look at judges in that regard. Uh, for people who are serving in the capacity like Bob Mueller, um, to use ideology as a proxy for qualifications, I think 
would not be helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're just sort of engaged in a different enterprise altogether. I mean, their job is not to adjudicate between two different sides. Their job is actually to investigate and uncover what the real facts are mm-hmm. as objectively and um, fairly as possible. So I think maybe it's less helpful to think about partisanship as, and quality as being, sure. um, e- I suppose, even related. But. So if we know how it is that judges started to skew more conservatively. Yeah. Do we have any sense of why the rest of the profession seems to have skewed left? I, I think it has to do with, the, like I said, the 1960s and 1970s. Mm-hmm. And there was just such a, I think there was just such a belief among um, the legal academy that the law could really be used as a force for social change. And by social change, primarily I mean as a force for greater civil rights and equal opportunities for people of color, poor mm-hmm. people, women, uh, LGBT, LGBT folks more recently. Um, and if, if you sort of believe that, then it makes sense that the law would attract people who are more left-leaning. Sure. So ultimately, I think it's that, that people sort of sort uh, you know, to pursue different careers based on what their deeply held beliefs are. Mm-hmm. So maybe today, if you're in your early 20s and you're thinking about a career, um, if you're thinking about a career where you want to engage in social change and you want to, um, you know, represent the the rights of people broadly, broadly speaking, uh, you should definitely consider applying to the <laughs> Kennedy School because I think we have a spot for you. Um, but you you might be very persuaded by, you know, the lure of a career in law. Mm-hmm. Whereas if that wasn't as much of an interest for you and you wanted to pursue kind of business opportunities and um, maybe were less concerned with those sorts of issues, you know, maybe going to a business school or something like that would be more appealing for mm-hmm. you. And so I think there's like ideological sorting almost among professions, which I don't think was necessarily the case uh, last, you know, in the last generation. Sure. So, so going back to the Mueller investigation mm-hmm. in particular, um, the i the fact that they they're the the fact that the con- contributions are not evidence of bias on their own yeah um that speaks to Mueller's choices in mm-hmm. who uh who his prosecutorial team was right but it doesn't necessarily indicate that the prosecutorial team themselves are unbiased that's um, right how is it that people can you know feel at least somewhat safe in knowing that this isn't a uh, partisan witch hunt as, as the president has called <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, it's almost like a, a case of negatives right here um, because it, it really doesn't make sense to argue that they're biased on the basis of this information because this is what we would expect an elite team of lawyers to look like politically. But it's not, it's not necessarily the case that we can't say. We can't say without a shadow of a doubt that there is absolutely no bias because mm. we just don't know. Like we... Uh, I, I say this as a scholar. We scholars don't know, but I would say the public doesn't really know what Mueller is up to right now. There have been there, you know, there's been some signs here and there in terms of who he's hired, in terms of the practice areas of the folks that he's hired. Mm-hmm. But we actually don't know the nature and the contours of the investigation with any specificity. Mm-hmm. So that's I think your question is one that I can't answer. But right now, in the absence of a smoking gun piece of evidence, this is not sufficient. Mm-hmm. Just saying that he's hired people who donate to Democrats more than to Republicans, that's not sufficient, um, especially based on research like mine. Sure. So you uh, wrote about this in the Mm -hmm. LA Times last week. You guys can all uh, go check it out on LA Times. The op-ed is called, The Political Donations Made by Robert Mueller's Team Are Not Evidence of Bias. Um, What was it that made you pursue this? Why, Why did you write this? 
So we wrote this specifically because we were starting to see reports in the press and these and statements made by Trump surrogates. So specifically, there were a few interviews that Newt Gingrich did, and I think Kellyanne Conway did an interview, that were insinuating that Mueller's team was ideologically stacked in a partisan way. Mm-hmm. That it was that he was he was going out and recruiting Democrats and uh that it, it was, you know, a partisan witch hunt and things like this because it was the case that more of his attorneys had donated to Democrats, mm-hmm. right, exactly because of the political contributions issue. Right. And everything in our research, everything that, that we've looked at in terms of the contributions made by attorneys, the contributions made by other uh, elite professions, suggested to us that what Miller was doing was exactly what you would expect from an ideologically neutral way of hiring your team, mm-hmm. Right. It, it's showing us that it, it actually looks that he did not take ideology into account when assembling his team. He did not take partisanship into account because if you if you didn't, you'd get the team basically that he came up with. Right. In fact, as we were, the three of us were chatting about this, in fact, the conclusion that we came to is that if anything, if he had come up with a team where the majority of his lawyers had, con- had contributed to Republicans, that would be very unusual hmm. because there just aren't as many lawyers sure. at this level. Sure. Um, so that would... That would possibly have been evidence of, of partisanship mm-hmm. or, or partisanship bias in assembling his team. So we decided to write the op-ed to kind of rebut that that point specifically. Sure. And since you've published this, uh, I, I imagine there's been some discussion of it. Uh, what what are you hearing from people? Where where, yeah. where are the you know the broadsides coming from? Well, there there are a couple of different uh, I think points. Uh, one is that I I believe, and I think maybe your viewers, uh, folks on Facebook can let us know, but I think that this has continued to be a talking point among among certain segments of the population. Mm-hmm. So despite the fact that we wrote, we wrote the op-ed, I think, I think this is an argument that's gained traction among some segment of Trump supporters. Sure. So we're still seeing the, the argument being floated. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that people have pointed out to us, and I think it's really worth talking about, and I'm really curious to hear what people think, is that this is sort of an argument that uh, Trump administration officials have actually made against a lot of highly expert recommendations. So they've actually made similar arguments against the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office. Not not exactly in this, sure. not exactly the same, mm-hmm. but but somewhat similar. That you know these are these are mostly Democrats or like the bureaucrats are mostly Democrats and things like that. We've also heard flavors of this being made against scientists. So, for example, scientists in the Environmental Protection Agency or scientists made or uh, scientists who work on climate change that, mm-hmm. oh, this is partisan. This isn't really, ref- you know, this is you can't believe this because most of these scientists are all liberals and you really can't believe what the liberals say. Mm-hmm. Um, more broadly, I think these are claims that these are claims that echo statements that have been made against universities and university affiliates like sure. professors. Um, you can't believe what the professors say. They're all liberals. They're all Democrats. Um, so more generally, people pointed out to us, and I think this is right, that this is sort of a general pattern, which is that expertise is made a partisan issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm really, you know, this is like kind of on the edge of what we do in our research, but yeah. I'm really curious as to what people think about that and whether 
whether that's something that we should be concerned about more broadly, we Americans should be concerned about more broadly. I think there was a recent poll, and I can't remember who did it, that found a majority of Republican voters um, for the first time responded that uh, institutions of higher education uh, actually yes. have a, uh, a ne- negative yes. impact on the direction of the country. Yes. I imagine that there has to be some connection between that and um, this uh, this idea that People with higher education, um, or at least in the legal field, uh, end up skewing left. Yeah, I I saw that poll as well, and I think it's very um, unsettling, I think. Uh, It's unsettling in part because I work at a university, and we (laughs) we work at a university, and and we don't want it. We we feel like our work is important and transcends party lines. Mm -hmm. But it's unsettling in the sense that this sort of seems to be the way that autocratic regimes sort of move forward by attacking expertise in this in this kind of political way. Um, I saw that poll as well. And the other thing that I think is really fascinating and worth thinking about is the way that education seems to have predicted somewhat the 2016 vote. So I believe the statistic, and again, people can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the statistic was that Hillary Clinton carried a majority, certainly a plurality, if not a majority of college-educated folks and that Donald Trump carried a majority of non-college educated folks, I think, certainly among non-educate, non-college educated whites. Mm-hmm. I, I think that this maps onto what we're talking about, which is that expertise and sort of educational differences are mapping onto partisan differences in a, in a way that I don't think we've seen in this country for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that political scientists... And observers of American politics really know what that means for the stability of American democracy. Mm-hmm. And I think I just want to make it clear that, you know, my, my research isn't squarely, is not squarely on these topics. That sure. This is speculative, but I think it's really worth thinking about. Mm-hmm. Do you think uh, that the higher education in general needs to uh, square with this problem? So, yeah, there are a couple of different ways to think about it. Um, and I acknowledge yeah. this isn't, you know, in your uh, no, normal field. No, but this is really, but this is important. Um, so I actually do have a separate paper where we look at the partisanship of law professors. Law professors are somewhat, uh, you know, they don't represent all faculty mm-hmm. clearly, and they do they study topics in a, in a way that's different from the rest from other disciplines and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we actually do find that you know, law professors are out of step with lawyers. They're actually more liberal than lawyers are. So more broadly, academics are more to the left of center than other folks are. Sure. The other thing that we find in that paper is, and this is more qualitative in terms of the evidence, is that that kind of ideological homogeneity, so the fact that academics are so so far to the left, does seem to have undermined their public credibility and their political credibility. So if I could give you an example on this, we looked at, uh, so when when, uh, Trump named Jeff Sessions to be attorney general, Mm -hmm. a group of about a thousand law professors signed a letter expressing concern uh, primarily over the possibility of Jeff Jeff Sessions overseeing the civil rights division and what that would mean for civil rights enforcement. Mm And so it was a very powerful letter from an academic standpoint, people from Harvard, Yale, Stanford, like the top law professors. And um, that was actually briefly discussed in the hearings, and it was immediately dismissed. Um, It was actually, if you look at the transcript, 
there's a funny line where someone says, and, and you and you have been opposed by many law professors, and someone says, well, I can't think of a, a less strong endorsement, you know, than than uh, than a group of law, you know, liberal leaning law professors. So, and yeah. then there's laughter in the transcript, right? So, so this is not, and this was these was a group. This was a group of Republican uh, senators that were sure. talking about this. So, so you could just easily see how um, this group of very well respected legal minds were very quickly dismissed on party on party partisan uh, partisan bias grounds. Mm-hmm. So would it help the academy and universities more general to include more diverse voices? I think the answer is instrumentally probably yes, um, given the current political climate. Now, I think a separate conversation, which I would invite people to have with people who study political philosophy and ethics is what would that mean, you know, in terms of, you know, admissions, First Amendment issues, um, sure. things like that. That's almost a separate question than the kind of the political context. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, just for those who are joining us uh, late in the in our yeah. discussion, uh, I just wanted to swing back to the Mueller investigation. Now, you've written um, that you don't see uh, the Robert Mueller's selection of certain prosecutors as um, inherently biased yeah. based on the fact that they've made campaign donations. Is that reason for uh, conservatives, liberals, and everyone else alike to feel uh, safe that this is not a, you know, uh, uh, yeah. not a witch hunt? Let me rephrase the question slightly. Sure. I think this is not a reason for conservatives to get upset. So, so okay. this is not something that should be the basis of a serious accusation of bias. In order to convince people and the American public that Mueller's investigation is biased, you're going to need more than just this. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like, like we talked about, I mean, the reason why is because if you were to go out and assemble a team of the top federal prosecutors in the land, our research shows, I think quite convincingly, that most of the people that you choose would donate to Democrats as opposed to Republicans. So you're, this is my message to, I think, um, Newt Gingrich and Kellyanne Conway and people like that. You have to come at you have to come at Bob Mueller with something better than this. Mm-hmm. This is this is not going to be sufficient. And our research shows that you know this is what we would have expected Bob Mueller to come up with. And of course, uh, we're only at the beginning of this. Yes, wait yeah. Until the the actual yeah. <laughs> we actually hear what his recommendations are. Yeah, that's that's the other thing that's kind of like underlying all of this is that he's working largely on his own. Mm-hmm. We don't know much about what he's doing, and you know it almost seems like there's shifting ground beneath us where. Trump administration officials are sort of setting the stage for us not to believe the results of his investigation. Mm-hmm. We don't know what the results of his investigation are going to be. You know, one way to look at this is that if Trump is cleared and the Trump campaign is cleared, wonderful. You have a group of Democratic-leaning attorneys who've cleared you of any wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. There could be no better mark than that. Right. So that's another way to think about it. Well, uh, Professor Maya Sen, thank you so much for joining us today, uh, and thank you all for tuning in. Uh, I hope this has been illuminating. It's yes. certainly been interesting for me, uh, and I hope uh, everyone else was also interested in this. Um, so uh, we can find this on the LA yes. Times. Um, you working on anything else coming soon? Or, uh, yeah, uh, we have a couple of papers in this area looking at the legal profession and its impact on politics and policy. Well, Actually, excellent. part of a forthcoming book. Fantastic. Hopefully. Well, we'll certainly uh, come back and, and round up some, all of that and make sure it gets some coverage. Uh, thanks again and um, goodbye. <laughs> Thank you.
You've been listening to AshCast, the Ash Center for Democratic Governance and Innovations podcast. If you'd like to learn more, please visit ash.harvard.edu or follow the Ash Center on social media at Harvard Ash.